Losing your shit is not uncommon in high-stakes situations. If you want better outcomes, listen to this episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Edgy Entrepreneur Podcast, where this season we're focusing on relationships. And we firmly believe that if you want to become a leader, an influential leader in your community, in your family, and at your business, then you need to master the art of relationships, right? So we are your hosts. I'm Daniel Tribby. I am a business owner in healthcare, and I also coach and work with other healthcare entrepreneurs. And I have the pleasure of doing this every week with the lovely. Hi, everybody. I'm Coach Oriana, and I'm a life and personal performance coach and executive coach. Beautiful. Well, here we are. This is a fun topic today. I love this. So this is our this is our fourth one for this season. It is. This has been an exciting season to uh, to talk about relationships in you know both romance or life and then business. So kind of a kind of a fun topic today along the lines of reacting versus responding, right? So we're going to be discussing how to have high stakes conversations with uh, either a romantic partner or a business partner, but essentially in relationships that matter, the stakes are always high. And so you need to be able to communicate well in those uh, relationships. But one thing that most people miss is the reality that in order to communicate well, Mm -hmm. you have to regulate your nervous system and you have to learn how to respond instead of react. Yeah, if you find yourself flying off the cuff and banging the gavel at work or at home, this episode is for you. If you find yourself very short-tempered and unable to communicate and also people have an inability to communicate or no desire to communicate with you, this is for you. One of the things that I think is really interesting is that most people have a perception that they have no control over their reactions. And if that's the case, if that's something that you find familiarity with, right? Like, well, I can't control the way that I react in these right. situations right. with these these people, right? Who are doing things or saying things to get these reactions out of me, right? If only they would, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Not do those things, do the things I ask, be smarter, not be stupid, whatever, right? If you didn't act this way, then I wouldn't respond that way. Right. Yeah. If that's where you're at, you have disconnected from your opportunity to take personal responsibility. Right. And when you listen to the word responsibility, right? Responsibility, if you break that down, it's response ability. It's your ability to respond is your responsibility. It's inherent in everyone, right? This is part of adulting 101 is what I call it, right? Right. It is learning that learning to respond and that your ability to respond is part of taking personal responsibility in your life and relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when you are reactive, right, you're out of personal responsibility. We learn to respond based upon how we were responded to, right? Especially as children, you know, grew up in a household where you mess something up and the first response is to like somebody yells and screams at you, then you probably have a tendency to do that as well, right? Or if you have, you know, someone who who shuts down in the face of an argument and that's what you learned, that's probably what you do as well, right? So there's a problem with us associating who we are with all of the BS that somebody else gave us, 
right? So you are just becoming a manager of your circumstances rather than a creator of your life. Right? And so that's a that's a big issue inside of this. So let's talk about some ways that this may be showing up for people that they don't even realize that they're they're not responding, they're just reacting. What you just said was such a great point, Coach, about uh, what you observed as a child growing up. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to reiterate, if you're in a place where you're like, well, the way I was raised, we blah, 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 right? You're not in responsibility. <laughs> you're not in personal responsibility. If you are defaulting to the way I was raised or in the household I was raised, we yelled. In the household I was raised, we, uh, we responded or reacted this way. This is what we did. This is the way we spoke. We cursed. You know, we screamed. Uh, we raised our voices. We slammed doors. Like if, you're, if you are justifying this type of bad behavior in your relationships today as an adult um, because that's what you saw growing up, you're not in, re- in personal responsibility. You're in a negative, negative thought patterns and in negative behavioral patterns around communication and relationships. Absolutely. And it is your responsibility to change that and to change the trajectory of the legacy that you're building in your relationships. I call that your relationship legacy. Right. It is your responsibility to change that um, for yourself and for all future generations of your family and of people that you'll impact in your life. So how the experience shows up, right? This is what we call the real problem, right? <laughs> because um, these are gonna be symptoms that we're talking about, right? These are symptoms to the real problem, but they lead you to the real problem, right? So what do you think are some of the symptoms to the problem if you're uh, being reactive in, in your communication and relationships or just in general, because reactivity can happen within yourself. Sure. I do believe it happens within yourself even before you you speak or say anything to anyone, right? Mm-hmm. You're already reactive inside. One of the big ones that I see, especially in business owners and the way they deal with their teams is that they don't, um, they don't give space uh, for their, their teams to give them feedback. Instead, they make all of the decisions and then when it doesn't work out in their favor, they then blame the team. Ooh, yeah. I see that a lot. Uh, and, I'm, and I tell them, I'm like, look, you, I've sat in on your meetings and you come in here with the gavel and say, this is how we're going to do it. And you don't take feedback about what's working from the people who are in their positions every single day. You just say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And nobody wants to speak up. You don't get feedback. So you get failed approaches to new systems. And then you blame everyone else for not yeah. executing on something that you decided on your own, right? So this is a problem. So if you find yourself trying to put new plans into place inside your business and they fail and you wanna blame everybody else, this is a reactionary type of thing. This is not a response. You're not giving your team the ability or the space to essentially speak with you and have and feel comfortable speaking with you or sharing with you, hey, this doesn't work or hey, this doesn't work or hey, this person sucks at what they're doing. And if we replace, you know, so you've got to have that type of system um, at work if you truly want your new directions to pay off for you. One of the symptoms is also along those lines, right? Like you're consistently having miscommunications, misunderstandings with people, Mm -hmm. and you're finding yourself consistently frustrated and upset in your relationships. Right, that's probably something that's happening to you. If you relate to that with some frequency, you know, you're probably not in your responsibility. 
On top of the uh, frequent miscommunication, I think there's a shutdown issue there too, right? So if you find yourself having conversations, the other person just closes down and doesn't communicate with you. I think there's a, that's another symptom as well, right? We see that a lot, I think, in personal romantic relationships, you know, right. like where one person is a business owner, the other one's not. Right. And the one is expressing why, hey, I know you're owning this business, you're doing your thing, but you're never around. And then you want to come back and say, yeah, but I'm running this show and I'm doing this and I'm trying to provide and blah, blah, blah. And so they just shut down and don't talk to you. So if you find yourself in in a mode or a situation where your partner is closing off or shutting themselves down, this is also an issue that you're reacting instead of responding. Your relationships feel like they're lacking depth lacking intimacy and just generally feeling like your relationships are shallow right like real surface level relationships that's totally connected to that you know engaging in conversations um consistently that end up being heated discussions i would say the opposite side of that spectrum right is avoiding conflict mm -hmm. right because either one of these two things could be happening if you're feeling reactive right either you know you're you're gonna you're like i'm gonna I feel that reactivity um, coming up in me and like, now I'm going to fight you, mm -hmm. right? Or the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Which is uh, now I'm going to shut down, like you said, or I'm going to abandon the conversation. I'm just going to run away. I'm going to get myself out of this situation by avoiding conflict and thinking that that's the best thing to do, right? So you can see right there the nervous system response, fight or flight are showing up, right? There's a symptom of constant frustration too if you don't feel like you're on the same page, right? You feel like you have conversations, but they never end up meeting somewhere, right? There's no synergy. There's, yeah. there's, you know, we're, we're not in alignment. Every time I have a conversation, it's not in alignment. I'm trying to get my point across. They're trying to get their point across. Nobody understands, and we never get on the same page. So if you feel like that is happening to you, that is another symptom. You spend your time feeling um, nervous, um, triggered, activated, right? Um, and you spend a lot of time criticizing and correcting other people, right? That might be associated with being highly reactive, right? And we're going to talk about what are some of the belief systems associated with the symptoms, right? Because right. if these symptoms are showing up in your life experience, in your relationships, it's because there is something in your belief system that is supporting the opportunity for these symptoms to show up. The symptoms are showing up to make you self-aware, yeah. that, right? That there's something in your uh, belief system that needs to be addressed, that needs, uh, more likely than not, that needs healing, right? And so if you can follow the, like the breadcrumb trail, <laughs> right? When you see like the symptoms and you, then you're like, well, what are the belief systems associated with this symptom? And then you find the belief system, right? If you're finding a, a belief system that's like, I have to be right, right? Then you're probably constantly criticizing and correcting other people. Mm -hmm. And if you think that you're probably also talk over other people, right. you probably also disregard other people's opinions and feelings and uh, feedback. And it's not, uh, it's not uncommon for people to, to do these things, right? When they, they have this desire to be right all the time, right? I, I want you to hear me, see me, feel me and understand me first. And I never want to have to listen to you. Okay. Which is, a, this is an issue, right? So if you want to be heard, you first have to hear. And this is what people get misconstrued, right? So if I desire you, Coach Oriana, to understand how I'm feeling at this very moment, 
and we're in the middle of this discussion and it's a high stakes discussion, I first have to give you the opportunity to be heard, mm -hmm. right? And so this is the thing that most people do. They fight for space instead right. of giving room for someone else to be heard. And once that person feels heard and understood, then they will be more likely and open to hear and understand you. Once you've received it and once somebody has shown up from that place of grace, especially when there's frustration yeah. between the two parties, right? Like, wow, you gave me grace even when we're both frustrated? Mm -hmm. Like, how do, how do you not reciprocate that, especially with somebody that you care about? Um, or you know, have any degree of, of uh, appreciation for. I think another symptom is you, know, you, you often find yourself arguing your position from a place of self-righteousness, right? And we see this a lot out in society right now, right? Like, I am right, you are wrong, you know, like you, you need to understand why this is the position that you need to be a part of as well. Right. And that type of energy. Right. Like I'm going to show you I'm going right. to teach you a lesson. Yeah. You're going to learn today. Right. Like <laughs> going about your relationships with people you care about right. from that self-righteous energy place. Right. You're going to kill the intimacy. Right. Yeah. It's an ego conversation. Totally, totally ego driven. And it's not just right. Like when I, I want people to understand when I say intimacy, every single type of relationship has different levels of intimacy, not just romantic. Right. Intimacy isn't just physical romantic contact. Right. Sexual contact. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, you have a level of depth and intimacy in your friendships. That's what makes them special. That's why they're friends. You have that in your business relationships. You have that with your children, right? You have that with your romantic partner. You have that with your parents, with your siblings. There's different levels and different types of intimacy. If you're coming at your relationships, like I am right and you are wrong mm -hmm. and you will see my position and you need to be able to do this thing this way and you will change your behavior once you see that you're wrong, like <laughs> that's your position. Yeah. You are disconnecting yourself from other people and you're pushing people away. It creates a lot of guilt and resentment and bitterness. Let's be really, really clear here. Your ego is the thing that's trying to distinguish between right and wrong based upon your hierarchical self-perception. Yeah. Right? In the real world and in real conversation, if you let go of who's right and who's wrong and start searching for other people's perspective, you're going to have a very different outcome. Right? Because people are explaining how they feel from a, a perspective that you may or may not have. And if your perspective is the only thing you're coming to the table with, then you're missing out on a lot of things. Right? Yeah, it's, so it's, much. Yeah, so it, it's like going to the top of the Eiffel Tower and just standing in one spot and looking straight out and never going around the rest to see what else is out there. You have tunnel vision and it's only concerning what it is that you want. And that is an egotistical driven type of outlook versus giving the time and the space to understand why somebody else may think differently or see things differently or have a perspective. Not that you have to take on their perspective, but I guarantee you that your reactionary responses will go way, way down if you take time to appreciate other people's perspectives mm -hmm. and understand where they're coming from and how they think. Right and wrong goes away at that point.
you start to realize that your perspective was shaped through your personal prism. Mm -hmm. Your prism is made up of how you were raised, the lifestyle that you grew up in, the lifestyle you currently live, the level of education you have, the family style that you grew up in, everything about your upbringing. Right. And so to be able to actually look at the world and your relationships with other people and say there's only one right way of thinking, being and doing. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Nobody else had a different type of upbringing, belief system, family structure. Right. Right. Socioeconomic status growing up. They could have shaped a different perspective and given them a different prism from which to see the world. You know, if that's if that is where you're operating from, I really want you to see how that's limiting you from your ability to create depth, connection, and intimacy in your relationships to the extent that those relationships will allow you to advance your life, right? Because a lot of people, you know, they won't lean into relationships or they're, they're resistant to leaning in because they have this perception that if I lean in, I'm giving you what you want. Right. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, please understand, if you lean in, this is about you getting what you want exactly out of this relationship. Right. And it's, it's the moment that you lean in, then you'll start to see that. But the idea is like, if I listen to your perspective, if I even acknowledge that another perspective exists besides mine, then I'm saying that there's a chance that I'm not right. Right. And again, like coach was just explaining, it's a very ego-driven perspective. It's only our egos that are seeking right and wrong. If you're living this life, you probably have all kinds of physical symptoms. You have anxiety, you have depression, you have stress. You had probably might have experienced chest pain, high blood pressure, uh, headaches. You could be shaking, having poor sleep. You're ruminating over what people said. This used to happen to me a lot when I would get into conflicted situations when I was younger, especially in my 20s. Would have conflicted situations, particularly with people that were older than me. Part of this came from my belief system that I needed to always respect my elders. And so in that belief system um, and in lacking the communication skills to defend myself in the face of situations where I should be standing up for myself, I wouldn't. Right. And so I would find myself later on, right, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm in the shower, I'm going to bed, whatever, going, man, I should have fucked, <laughs> mother but should have said this, right? And like in my head in that way, in a way that was taking away my peace, right? Taking away my peace. And so it wasn't until I took my power back, right? And I, I started to stand up for myself and I started to think of my energy as uh, and my power as being mine, something that nobody else could actually impact or take away from me unless I allowed them to. Right. And when you start to show up that way, one, people really m don't mess with you as much as as they do when you walk around with a weak energy field around you. Right. Like we're, we're literally talking about what people refer to mainstream as BDE. Right. Like when you walk around in your personal power, you just get less pushback from people around you. But when you do you know what to do. You know how to respond to that, right? You don't have to lose your shit. You don't even have to create a scene, right? You know, like I could I could put somebody, um, I could give somebody feedback about, you know, them crossing my boundary by whispering it in their ear, right? you know, and sending them on their way. I don't need to create a scene somewhere, you know? And so when you walk around in your personal power and you recognize it's not something that anybody can actually take away from you, it's only yours to give away if you so choose, then um, you end up having different types of experiences in life.
in order to do that though, right, you've got to you got to rid yourself of some of the limiting beliefs that are keeping you in a reactionary yeah, way. Absolutely. Keeping you behaving reactionary, keeping you believing that that's the only way to be, right? I mentioned earlier, there's another way to be, there's another way to live. You know, you have to learn it. You got to rid yourself of some of these limiting beliefs. What are some of those belief systems that are keeping people reactive? That desire to be right, right? right? It's that desire to be correct. It's desire to to be higher than, holier than thou. You know that type of situation. So that's definitely a thing. And and people are like, oh, I don't, I don't need to be right all the time. I just, I just need to be heard all the time. I'm like, mm, stop, because the way you're desiring to be heard is very forceful, right? Which tells me you have a desire to be right. I think another one is people should be careful with or protect my triggers. Oh God. You know, yeah. as if it's other people's responsibility to protect your triggers. You know, if that's where you're at, I'm sorry, but that's not true. Um, it's your responsibility not to protect your triggers, but to heal your triggers when they become revealed to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you protect your triggers and you protect yourself. And again, you take your power back in, in taking personal ownership and responsibility over protecting your own triggers and not expecting people to tiptoe and walk on eggshells around you right. so that they don't touch your triggers. That's your stuff. Own it. You can take ownership of your triggers yourself by simply telling the person you're having a conversation with, hey, uh, something about this conversation is not is registering really really like raw with me or it's bringing up a pain point for me i i need a minute to process mm-hmm. that let me let me because what you're saying just registered something in me and my my reaction right now or my feeling right now is to react by either yelling at you or shutting down and so i need a minute right and there's nothing wrong with doing that i don't no, care if it's isn't. your boss at work or it's a coworker a manager or, or a friend or a romantic person at home or even your children right take that time you're in charge of your own energy when it comes to that so if you choose to react to that and make somebody else responsible for your bullshit okay that is that's that's soft shit but that is part of protecting yourself right is being able to say hey what you just said made me feel some type of way and I need to go take care of myself or I need to go process that is part of protecting your inner child it's Mm -hmm. part of protecting yourself right I'm not saying that you have to heal every trigger that you could possibly have so that nobody will ever touch it you don't even know what what your triggers are until they get revealed to you but it's like a boundary it's this is you basically saying you know when you feel the trigger come up you will address it on your own rather than saying I'm feeling triggered don't you ever do that thing again yeah. Right. Other person. That's not that doesn't work. That's not you're going to live a very unhappy life. Right. 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 You know, I think other other limiting beliefs are going to be things like it's it's their fault. Right. Blaming blaming the other people. It's their fault that, you know, they're always triggering me. It's their fault that they that I react. Um, they're the ones that make me react this way. Right. If they wouldn't say or do those other things. Right. Anything that blames other people is keeping you in a reactive state of mind, reactive thinking, and impulsively reacted with your nervous system, right? right. So it's like, I can't control my reactions, those, that type of thinking, right? If you, can't, if you really believe you cannot control your own reactions, right? That's like um, saying you can't control some type of bodily function, right? Well, like a reaction comes from your nervous system. That is a bodily function, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? When, you, when your nervous system is becoming activated, you can tell right? Pay attention to your body, what's happening in your body. Coach, what do you, what would you say, what are some of the nervous system indicators that you experience when you are becoming reactive? For, for me personally, um, I will go one of two extremes. I will just be like, yeah, whatever, you're full of shit. I'll shut down. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even going to listen. I'm not going to entertain this anymore. 
piss off. Like mm. that's pretty much it. Um, the other side of that is like, I, I feel myself getting flushed. I feel like the tingles, right? Which is my nervous system being activated. Right. I feel anger. Like I feel the things like welling up inside of me and I want to, ah! like I want to let that go. Like I want to blast <laughs> off on you right now. Yeah. Um, but then I, I use my moment to say, okay, internally that's what I feel. But externally, if I do that, what am I seeking to do? And usually what I'm seeking to do is just exude power over somebody. And that's it. That, that is egotistical in its nature. And so if you do that to people, you are not getting your way because they respect you. You're getting your way because you threw a tantrum like a damn two-year-old. I feel myself breathing really shallow, right? Breathing from the top of my chest, not really air, not really going into my lungs. I feel myself sweating. I get flushed and hot, right? And usually it's a progression, right? So I've, I've come... Um, I've become much more self-aware now to where I notice like in that progression where I get to the point where I need to walk away now. Right. Right now, because I don't want to, I'm, I'm, I'm the next stage is me not showing up as my best self. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I don't want to get there. Right. So it's like, this is where I need to hang up. Right. Or this is where I need to leave this, uh, leave the room or otherwise. Right. But I mean, for the most part, I want you to also, uh, for those of you listening, really take this down to um, everyday situations. Right. What's happening to you in your body when you're driving in your car and it's bumper to bumper traffic and everybody around you is driving like an idiot except for you. Yep. Right. What's happening to you when your um, kids or toddlers are screaming and crying and arguing and fighting uh, or your pets or your teenagers or whomever, right? What's happening to you in your body when uh, you are um, about to give a big presentation, about to give a big speech, about to go on stage in front of a bunch of people, right? Like a big part of my career has included uh, public speaking. Right, and I, I remember I was going in front of an audience of about 600 people at one point in time, and oh my gosh, I was sweating. I went like really within myself and got like really quiet. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, I need to be alone right now, you know? And they're like, Oriana, you're up, you know? And I'm like, right? <laughs> Breathe, breathe. Right? right, and it's like in those moments where the stakes are high and you are about to have to perform, you know, business, personal, whatever it is, and you feel your nervous system getting activated, what are you doing about it? Because you do have control over it. Yeah. One of the big things that I, that I do is I try to, to tell myself and I try to recenter. Like I just think to myself, calm, ease, balance calm, ease, balance. And I say it in that very soft, like late night radio DJ voice, right? Calm, ease, balance, mm -hmm. calm, ease, balance. And, and I, you can, you have control over your own energy. You really do. And if somebody else is blasting off at you, it's very easy to want to return that favor, right? It's, it's very easy to want to return that favor. But if, if there's an opportunity to de-escalate a situation and have a real conversation. Yeah, and create connection. And a responsibility to have a real conversation while you connect, right? That's a lot better than blasting off at someone than having to come back later. Now we've got two things to worry about. One, we got to apologize for the bullshit that just went down. And two, we still have a problem to, to deal with. We still have something to finish. We still have a conversation and a dilemma that needs to be handled. But now I just compiled the shit on top of it that I have to apologize for for blasting off at you. 
I'm mean, apologize for my reaction, but you know, if you hadn't come at me that way, then I wouldn't respond that way. But you know, I'm sorry. Now let's finish the conversation. I don't yeah, want to have a conversation with you. Do. I don't yeah. want to have a conversation with you anymore, bro. I just don't. And how many times does, you know, do do people utilize that as an opportunity to get away from addressing the original issue? Right. 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 In in like arguments, especially romantic partner arguments, especially that stuff that's repetitive, right? Like how many times have I said could you please not X, right? And like, then you blast off, you have a reaction, and now this conversation is no longer about the original thing. Mm -hmm. Now it's about your reaction, right? Like that's another reason why, you know, not becoming disconnected from your own body and your nervous system and understanding like why you should become less reactive and more responsive, how that this will actually help you is because it doesn't, again, this is about you getting your way in relationships. It doesn't let you give somebody else an out, mm-hmm. right? It allows you to be able to stay in the moment, on the topic, right? Even if it upsets you, even if it doesn't feel good, right? Like, right. I'm gonna get at that problem because I'm not gonna let you get me reactive, right? And get a reaction out of me to divert the attention and energy now onto a new thing. Let's right? discuss some ways that that you guys can manage these high stakes situations? What are some things that you can do internally or even in your conversation to gain clarity so that you can move towards towards synergy, right? There's a an author out there, uh, her name is Byron Katie, right? And she has kind of a, a three to four step question process that you can move through. Um, you can either ask yourself or you can ask the other person in in the moment. And we both use this in our coaching. And so let's, let's go through that first step. The stakes are high. I'm starting to get irritated. I don't like the presentation that somebody else is giving. I don't like their stance. And I feel myself getting triggered. What's the first step? could ask yourself if it's true. They're saying that on purpose to piss me off, mm-hmm. right? Let's say I was talking to you and I, I know that my partner is doing that on purpose to piss me off. And then you would ask me, is, is that, that true? true? And I would be like, right, I'm probably gonna double down at that. Yeah, it is true. How do you know it's true? There you go, right? The moment that, that he asked me, how do I know it's true? Now he's asking me to look for evidence. Right, so what is the evidence that my partner is doing this on purpose to piss me off, right? All of a sudden I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I just know they're doing it on purpose. Well, how do you show up when you feel like they're doing it on purpose? Yeah. Well, when I when when I tell myself the story that my partner's doing this thing on purpose to piss me off, I probably don't show up as my best self. Well, how do you show up then? Right? I probably show up angry. I probably show up standoffish. I probably um, am doing or showing up in all kinds of different categories of ways that I consider to be prickly, right? I'm probably not showing up feminine in that conversation with my partner, right? I'm probably showing up much more masculine than I would like to as a feminine woman, which means that I'm putting myself in a competitive position with my partner, which is not going to allow me to get my way. So how could you show up in the future that might change that? Softer, more understanding, more open to considering a different perspective. I could listen more. Right. And so the point is to either you could help somebody move through this or you can move yourself through these series of questions. Exactly. Because it pulls you out of the situation and it allows you to kind of see yourself through a third party perspective. It forces you to to put your brain in the position to have to look for evidence that the story you're telling yourself is true. 
And nine times out of 10, you're not going to be able to find evidence that your story is true because our stories are irrational. Let's extend this. Let's say that you're the manager and I'm coming to you with a complaint about another employee or you're the boss, right? And I'm like, yo, Oriana, Vic is being an asshole. He's not doing his job. Vic is our podcast producer, by the way, so he's laughing right now. So Vic's not doing his job. He's being an asshole. And I say, is that true? Yeah. How do you know it's true? Because he didn't show up on time like he was supposed to. <laughs> but here's the question, though. Do we know what Vic had going on? Did we ask Vic? Does, does, did Vic had something with his, with his child? And he's got seven or eight of them. Like, does he have something with his children, right? And does, does he have, is, is he been sick? Has he been struggling in some way? We don't know why Vic is showing up that way. Does that one behavior of being late make him an a-hole? Right? Like, does, does, is that commensurate with the, the perception of, of him? But then the next question is, well, Daniel, how is it that you're showing up in face of this? Mm -hmm. And then now I have to be honest about my reaction. Because if he's showing up a certain way, then chances are I'm showing up equally that way or even more so. And yeah. then the last stage is to help me understand, okay, well, he's doing one thing, but I'm equally at fault because I'm responding this way. And what response could I give that would actually lead to having a better outcome. And once you flip that around on somebody, once you do that pivot where they start seeing a situation for really what it is and the fact that they're showing up a certain way and not holding accountability for themselves, right? Until you do that, they're going to continue to have a complaint. As soon as you flip that, then people can pivot the way that they think about that process and how they show up. And instead, I can go to Vic and just say, hey, bro, um, I just have noticed that you've kind of been showing up late lately. Like, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Right. And now I'm compassionate. Right. And now prickly. I'm showing up as a human being. This is what people need to understand. Anytime that you show up on offense, right, explain to me why, right? When you, the moment you show up off on offense, you force somebody to become defensive, right? So you can't show up on offense and then when they become defensive, now all of a sudden, well, you have an attitude problem. No, bitch. You have an attitude problem. You have an attitude problem, <laughs> right? Like you showed and up. And round and round we go. <laughs> you showed up prickly. So now somebody has to be defensive. Now they feel like they're being pushed up against the wall. They have to explain. Even the kindest and most respectful person is going gonna, is, is gonna to have some type of reaction when they get pushed up into a corner. It's only a matter of time. That is part of creating a container, yes. right? Where people can feel that they can express themselves um, honestly and genuinely without being judged and without experiencing negative consequences. So. Yeah, this is a big one for me, especially as a male, right? Because men, um, a lot of times when they express, they, they have trouble expressing themselves. Every woman's like, I just want a man who will be emotional or express himself. And then when he does, that gets held over their head later. Yeah, well, right? she, then she doesn't know what to do with it. Right. It's yeah. like, I, you know, there's, I can't tell you exactly how I'm feeling or what I'm going through for fear of you holding it over my head or making something my fault, right? And so when that happens, you have a male who will no longer communicate how he feels because you don't know what to do with it. And so when you ask him the question, you know, hey, I really want to talk about that, the response you're going to get is doesn't matter what I think. And they're going to shut down. Yeah. 
So that should tell you right away, if somebody ever says to you, well, I, I don't wanna talk about it because it doesn't really matter how I feel, you're not gonna listen to me anyway. If somebody comes at you that way, the initial response is to get frustrated and be like, well, I guess we'll never figure it out then since you don't wanna fucking talk about it. Like You can't do that. The reason that they're not gonna talk to you is because they don't feel like you're going to listen to them. And so they feel like it's falling on deaf ears. So like you said, you have to create a container, a container of safety, a, a space, if you will, where people can talk and understand that we both are two mice in the same maze trying to find the cheese together. You have the same desired outcome, you know, which might be increased closeness or the resolution of a problem. But if you position yourselves as we're, we're working against one another to resolve this problem instead of we're working together to resolve the problem, right? Then those are two very different perspectives from which to approach a conversation. You know, and again, if you show up on offense, your partner is going to be on defense. If you're showing up offensively, you're showing up to get something. And relationships are not about getting, they're about giving, mm -hmm. right? So if you desire a certain outcome or you desire a certain type of situation or resolution, you first have to be able to give to the other person and giving by listening to them. If you're with the person that is shutting down on you and doesn't want to talk to you, it's probably because they have not felt heard by you in the past. You've maybe talk over them, maybe interrupt them, maybe took what they said in the past and used it against them in a future argument, right? And so there's some history there that needs to be healed, needs right. to be addressed, right? If if six months ago that that thing happened, right, and there it was never addressed, it was never healed, it was there were never any sincere apologies made, your partner remembers, right? Your partner still remembers that and it still hurts, right? Um, I also think that a great way to handle this is by practicing breath work. Um, you know, that's basically my go-to strategy for regulating my nervous system, right? I need to breathe, I need air, right? The very first thing that I notice is that I feel like I can't breathe, I feel like I don't have air. And, and for most people, like just on a day-to-day -day basis, most people aren't breathing as deeply as they could and getting the maximum oxygen intake that they should be, right? Yeah, absolutely. So learn how to breathe, my friends, right? And when you learn how to breathe properly, you can actually keep your nervous system at a more consistent level of regulation, right? right? So, that, so that when you, let's say for example, you're driving through a heavy traffic and it's frustrated, you don't, if you get your nervous system activated in that stage of your day and you're just starting because you're just commuting to work, you're literally walking into your office and to interact with your team with your nervous system already activated. And then when you drive home, you get activated again, and then you walk into your household with your family with a nervous system activated and angry. That's why you're not getting the outcomes that you want in your relationships. The first thing that we do when we get stressed or, or we feel conflicted is we stop breathing. Yes. Think about the last time you were really concentrating on something that was stressful. You probably stopped breathing. You got tense, your shoulders went towards your ears. And, and, and most of you may or may, you might know this, but communication so only 7% of communication is based upon what you say, right? The rest of it is body language and, and other, um, other types of, of movements that tell people really what you're saying. Only 7% comes from the words. If somebody is, is talking to you and they can see what's welling up inside of you, right? Think about what they're prepping to hear and what they're prepping to respond. So they, if they can see you prepping to react, then they're subconsciously prepping to react.
But if you're if you're intuitively listening and you're actively engaged in what they're saying, and I use this one a lot, you label what they're saying or what they're feeling. So if, if you were frustrated about something and you were expressing it, I can say, hey, I can I can really see that you're you're frustrated. And then I labeled how the feeling, and then I stated why in my own words, not. You know, I'm frustrated because I couldn't get my hair right this morning. I'm not going to say that very same thing. I'm going to say something like, yeah, it seems like you're a little bit annoyed because you don't feel like you look your best today. Right. And then so it lets me know, it lets you know that I'm actively listening and I understand the feeling. And if I labeled it wrong, you'll correct me and I'll go, oh, okay, sorry. So yeah, I get it that you feel boom. And I'll label it again in my own terminology. And you'll be amazed at how fast that that brings people down from that reactionary position because I've actively listened. I've controlled my breathing. I've controlled my body language. And now we can have a conversation because I showed you that I really understood that you're frustrated because you don't feel like you look your best because you had frustrating hair morning. One of the other things that I think is very important is that you need to focus on healing your past traumas and your triggers. That needs to be a priority in your life if it hasn't already been. And I would recommend for everyone to commit to spending six to 12 months with a therapist. Um, I did that in 2017. It was one of the best things that I could possibly done for myself was spend 12 months seeing a therapist uh, at least twice a month on a regular basis, right? One of the most healing experiences that I could possibly have. There's absolutely no shame in it, which is why I'm speaking about it publicly, right? I was going through a very hard time, I was going through a separation, eventual divorce and making big, big life decisions, right? And uh, those things are not to be taken lightly. And I can't tell you how many people go through those life experiences and never actually pause to process them with anyone. Yeah, I've done it myself too. You know, several years ago, went through a very um, traumatizing experience in, in a relationship and you know, spent a few months sorting through the, the cobwebs and the mess. And what you typically find out is that the, the, the shit you've been handed in your life has not been handed to you. You've created it by not dealing with some of those problems, right? There, there is a reason why you keep getting the same results. If you're happy with those results, don't change anything, right? Expand upon them. But if you're unhappy with the results, if you're unhappy with people shutting down or you getting in arguments all the time, find out where that's coming from. Um, I also recommend journaling to create new self-awarenesses for yourself, you know, really looking at, at stuff that's happening in your circumstances and start to write about it, right? Just get it off your chest, right? Instead of ruminating in your head where I talked about earlier you know you could be journaling that yep. you know if you really need to get out of yourself and process like they said this and i wish i had said such and such or here's how i would respond in the future that's something that you could and should journal to get it out of yourself and you know let yourself process and unpack that so that the you can really start to see why didn't i speak up for myself in that moment why did i stay quiet and to the extent that uh now i'm angry with myself for not speaking up, right? Which is a clear indication that you should have spoken up for yourself. Okay, maybe I didn't speak up for myself because I didn't know how, I didn't know what to say in the moment. I was so taken aback by the thing that they said that I couldn't process fast enough a response. Okay, well then write about that. Mm -hmm. Journal, if this ever happens again, this is what I would say. This is what I would do. This is how I would react. This is how I wanna show up. I don't wanna show up in this other way. I don't wanna laugh it off and act like I'm okay with what was just said. You could also talk about what you've done to help regulate your nervous system, yeah. right? I strongly believe in um, prayer and meditation, you know, really praying for wisdom. I pray for discernment. I pray for emotional fortitude and I build my spiritual foundation, 
right? That has been tremendously helpful to me. I did have a foundation already from childhood, um, but I strengthened that and I choose to do that as an adult, right? Um, and that has made a difference for me. And then learning to meditate and take on a daily meditation practice. It's a practice because it doesn't, it's not easy when you, especially when you first start. Um, but, you know, taking that on, take on these activities that are going to help you. If you notice, like, this is all part of self-care. You know, this is all part of caring for yourself, caring for your nervous system. Your nervous system is a, it's an integral part of your body, and it, it plays a huge role in the experiences that you're having on a day-to-day -day basis, right? There are things like traffic and other drivers and strangers on the street, you know, and someone who whistles at you. That, that stuff should not be getting a reaction out of you, you know? spoiled food in the fridge, you know, I don't know what to eat. Like this stuff should not be getting reactions out of you. There's so many more important things that you could be funneling your energy toward mm -hmm. that if you did, you would become a much more high-performing individual. And this is the, the unique thing about being a human being is you can choose to make a change at any point that you so desire and then take the steps to make those changes. So I hope that this recording, this episode has done something to spark your interest about how you could better enter high stakes conversations, how you can keep the needle moving forward rather than stagnating or getting frustrated or allowing somebody else to get frustrated in a reactionary way. If you'd like to have more interaction with us, I invite you to text the word edgy, E-D-G-Y, text edgy to 33777. And um, you'll get a link to join our Facebook community where we have more conversations like this and others. And we go live at least once a week. Um, we do live coaching and we do other things where you can actually get more engagement with us. Absolutely. Beautifully said. We'll see you guys next time with some more relationship stuff inside the Edgy Entrepreneur. Take care, everybody.